Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. That, that touches their hearts, they, they get Holy Spirit goosebumps. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? And so, uh, so this series here is, is really all about the Holy Spirit. We thought we'd have like a fun title, and that, that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. We are going to talk to you about the Holy Spirit because we just came off of a series uh, called, called How to Live Through a, a Bad Day. That was seven weeks, and we wrapped it up on Easter Sunday talking about how Jesus died, yes, to save us from our sins, to forgive us, to have our lives here on earth like transformed, to have a full and fulfilled life and then have eternity in heaven. Yes, he did all that on Friday, but on Sunday, he rose from the dead specifically to conquer death, hell, and the grave, not for himself, but for us. And that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Well, when you look at the scripture, the power that the scripture is talking about is the Holy Spirit. And so I thought it'd be important that after I told you, hey, this power is available for you to bring the ruins of your life back to life, everything that's broken in your life, your marriage, your morals, your relationships, that power is actually the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about that for the next four weeks because I'm afraid, I, I fear that we don't know a whole lot about him. Like we, we, we don't know too much about who the Holy Spirit is. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you this, this verse is in, in Acts 19 that we're going to take a look at. And just a little bit of context on this. Uh, Acts is the fifth book found in the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament is the second half of your, of your Bible, okay? So there's the Old Testament that contains everything before Jesus, and the New Testament is everything after Jesus was born. The first four books of the New Testament are four different authors who spent time with Jesus or interviewed people that were with Jesus. And so those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, exist, and they're solely Jesus' story. But then the fifth book, the book of Acts, Jesus has already died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, is now the story of the new church. In fact, some Bibles, if you open it up, it says the Acts of the Apostles, like that's the full name of the book. But some would challenge that and say, really, that it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Like that's, that's what the, Acts, the book of Acts is all about. And so you'll see that the book of Acts, if you read it, it starts off with the Holy Spirit. And here we are, we're going to pick up in chapter 19 of Acts. And this is about two decades into uh, the, the, the beginning of the very first church. So this is a historical record of the church. And it starts with the Holy Spirit. And here we are in, the, in chapter 19, 20 years later or so, and we're still talking about the Holy Spirit. And Paul says this, while Apollos was at Corinth... Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. In other words, Paul and Apollos were missionaries. They're spreading the gospel, the good news about Jesus, telling about him that he died and that he resurrected and all that was available to us through that, right? And Paul and Apollos decided to split ways. You go this way, I'll go this way, and we'll take, we'll take different parts of this and, 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 and chunk it out and handle different areas. And so Paul winds up in Ephesus while Apollos goes to Corinth. There, so the verse continues, it says, there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I think that this right here is a picture of the church today. Like we love Jesus, 
we go to church, we, we, we love our, our church body, but, but we have no idea who the Holy Spirit is. And, and I think there's reasons for that. There's reasons why we don't know, or maybe the reasons why we've kind of pushed away. Maybe because you've encountered some bad theology about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in your life. Maybe, maybe you have a bad experience yourself. You went to a church somewhere, and, and they said that this particular thing was the Holy Spirit, and you were like, whoa, that's, uh, that's not for me. Or maybe it's just something that you've seen on TV, some preacher all in white doing things and saying, this is the Holy Spirit, right? Like, I'm not sure some televangelist that has may turned you off to who the Holy Spirit is. Or some of you know that one of the other names for the Holy Spirit is the Holy Ghost, and you're like, ghost? I don't want anything to do with ghosts. Or if you watch Christian television or you spend time with Christians that say, well, we have the Holy Spirit, your impression might be that you need to either wear a really a, a, a copious amount of makeup or none at all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not sure where you fall, but at some, you're like, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to do one of those two things. There's, so there's lots of confusion around who the Holy Spirit is. And there's a whole lot of things, I think, today that are associated with the Holy Spirit that really have nothing to do with who he is and what he does. So that's what this series is all about. Because I, as your pastor, by the way, if you didn't have a pastor before, I met, hi. As your pastor, I think it's important that you understand who the Holy Spirit is. I think it's, under, it's important for you to understand how much power is available to you through his work in your life. It's important. So I'm going to try to demystify. I'm going to try to remove any man-made sensationalism. And my hope is that every single one of you, by the end of this series, maybe even by the end of today, would be that you would all be in a position where you'd say, God, I want to receive all that you have for me. Like, like I'm, not go, I'm going to let go of my, my preconceived notions and my misunderstandings of, of the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to receive all that you have for me. It's important. It's so important that I'm going to ask, actually ask you that if you've never committed to being at every single Sunday morning for a series, I'm going to ask you to commit to be here for this one. This one's important. It's just four weeks, includes today. And you've already got one down, so it's just three more. Amen, everybody? Amen. So you can do this. So let's jump into it, and let me do this. Let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit, all right? And first, I want to start off with his nature, with the very, very nature of Holy Spirit, and we're going to actually start with the word itself. Where do we get the word Holy Spirit? Because the, the word spirit or ghost is found in your Bible, and you need to understand that your Bible was translated. It's not originally written in English. And the translators, when they were translating to English, actually had a bit of a challenge because when it came to the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, there's like a whole sentence that describes who he is. And so they needed to pick a word that they thought would be best, a best fit as they translated it for you and I. But the word spirit or ghost doesn't really translate well or tell us much about him. In fact, it might terrify you a little more uh, about who he is. So let's look at the original words. The original words are in Hebrew. That's where your Old Testament, that's what your Old Testament's written in. And your New Testament is written in Greek. And we'll understand a little bit more of his nature. So the word spirit or ghost in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word ruach. Now, if you're gonna say it the way the Hebrew says it, you have to have this like at the end of the word, ruach right? That's the way they say it. And it means a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. So now you can understand why the translators struggled a little bit, because it wasn't like Father, Son, and holy blast of breath, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that just doesn't seem like it would fit right. It's not, it's not right. So they use the word 
spirit. But if we look at the scriptures and how it was used, you can kind of see his nature. Look at Genesis. This is the first book in your Bible. Genesis 1-2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit, this is the breath, okay, of God, which is wind that came out of the mouth of God with power to create, was hovering over the waters. So this is the very beginning of this is the creation story. And that because the breath of God was hovering over the waters, here now creation happens. God says, let there be light, and there's light, and then the rest of the world is formed. In the New Testament, we go to the, uh, the, the word in the Greek, and here is the word pneuma. So the P in this word is silent, and it's a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. So you can see they're very, very similar. And one of the many places that this word is used in the New Testament is in John 6, 36, or 63, excuse me. This is Jesus talking. He says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit. That's that word pneuma, meaning a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze in them. The very words that Jesus was saying contain that blast of breath in them. And he goes on to say, and they are life. In other words, the very words that Jesus was speaking at that time contained the breath of life, God's life in them. That means because those words that Jesus said were recorded on the pages of your Bible, that as you read those words, those words are breathing God's life into you. That's why it's important that we read our Bibles. Amen, everybody? That's why it's important. And so here's what we're going to do. God has his power he wants to get in you, that he wants to put in you. And I feel like some of us still might be a little hesitant. And so let me do this. Let me try to tear down some of the barriers a little bit. Let me try to familiarize yourself or you with the Holy Spirit by, by bringing a parallel along something that I know that you know, and that is wind. So if we were to break, break all the definitions down to one thing, and that, that is the wind. And, and the characteristics of wind run alongside the Holy Spirit. And I hope you'll relate to him better as a result, but take a look. It says, says this, the very first parallel, the way that the Holy Spirit is like the wind, is that wind is unseen. Wind is unseen. You can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind, and you can feel the wind. So when you walk out of a place that's hot and stuffy, humid, and you step outside and that wind hits your face, you're like, man, that feels good, right? Like you can feel it. Nobody freaks out if you step outside and you feel the wind and, and it feels good to you. But if you spend time in a church service and worship is good and the preaching is fire. Yeah. People say, man, I felt something there today. People freak out a little bit about that. Like, well, you're not supposed to follow your feelings. No, but it's okay to understand what you're feeling and know that it feels good. Amen? It's all right. People say, well, I, they come out of a church service and say, well, I felt the Holy Spirit today. Or, or God, we say, I want to feel your presence because there is something about the presence of the Holy Spirit that you can feel. And my prayer for you every Sunday it is not just that you lift your hands in worship, not just that, that your heart will be changed because, because the preaching's good or whatever. Like, it's not that. It's that you'll actually encounter God and feel his presence. That's my hope. That is my hope for every single one of you today. 
If you look at it in scripture, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. It's one of the last ones that he'll have before he goes to the cross at, some, at something called uh, the Last Supper. And, and it's that, that takes place in John 14. And you'll actually notice a pattern in John 14, 15, and 16 in these three chapters that the conversations Jesus is having with his disciples is all about the Holy Spirit. And this, and this one's no different. He's telling them, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to die, I'm, but don't worry, I'm going to resurrect from the dead, and I'm going to go back to heaven, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says this, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. Other translations say, instead of saying advocate, say comforter or counselor, to help you, not to spook you out, not to make you act weird. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. And to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. See, that's God's plan. He wants to send somebody to help you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's going to help you, and he's going to be with you. How many of you know that presence makes all the difference in the world? Like, Like things that you know that you're facing alone are scary, but when somebody's with you, you face them differently. And God said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit not only to comfort you, counsel you, but to be with you. You're never going to be alone again. And Jesus goes on and says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. See, that's where the world's at. The world wants to categorize God. They want to break him down into what they can understand scientifically. They want to see him. They want to measure him. They, they, they want to figure it out. They want to test him, right? Put him in a test tube and add add a whole bunch of stuff to it like you did when you were a kid in your parents' bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Putting a little shampoo in here, putting a little... Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Was I the only weird one? Awesome. That's my life you're laughing at. Okay. But people, people reject what they cannot understand and what they cannot see. But here's the thing. Jesus is going on. He says, but you guys, you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. And so I think that's why a lot of you come back every week, because you know him. You've experienced him. You've felt him. And you come every week to connect to God and to to feel refreshed in his presence. I remember, so after service, uh, I used to be able to get out to the doors and shake hands, but the way we end service now, I kind of end up here, and and I work my way out and, and meet a lot of people, but a lot of you guys leave before I get a chance to shake your hands, but... But one day I came off the stage, and, and the service, there, there was just something in this room. There was just something different. And I remember this guy came up to me, he started, starts telling me, like immediately, I stepped off this stage, and he came from right there and grabbed me, and he, and he put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, he starts telling me how, how service made him feel that day, and then he cussed. <laughs> he said, that was bleeping amazing. And I was just like, well done. Now, before some of you get offended... Know that I was not offended. He, he was taking the best way he could to describe how God made him feel, and that's the word he used. Now, I'm not giving you all permission to just run around and cuss, okay? All right, but I'm just, what I'm saying is, is that I'm not upset about that. He experienced something different, and it touched his life, and, I, and I'm all for that. And you can encounter God in that way, too. Second thing about the wind is it's unpredictable. It shifts, man. It's all over the place. If you go to an airport, they've got this windsock hanging on a little stick, and you would think that there would be some other better way to measure something, but that little sock hanging on a stick is the best thing that they can do to determine which way the wind is going. And the air traffic controller needs to know which way the wind's going so he can tell the planes the best, the best, uh, um, 
landing strip to, to land on, right? They're like, hey, this is the best place to go because of the way the wind is blowing. They, they need that live, real-time information. And God is that way. He is unpredictable. He's just like the wind. But we don't like God that way, do we? We want God that we can understand and we can put him in our little box and we go, all right, he's here and we go, we go visit God on Sundays and he can move in my life on Sundays, right? And, and, and if he wants to do something, we want him to do it the same way he did it in somebody else's life because I liked how that turned out and, and I like what, how they went through it. And God, I need you to go ahead and just do the same thing. Like we want God predictable. We, we want to reduce God if we could, if y'all being honest, we'd like to reduce God down to a vending machine, right? Where we put in our coins and we punch A11 and we get what we want. You know what I'm saying? We want a God that is predictable, but that's not who God is. God doesn't do, the same, do, do things the same way every single time. Do you know why? Because if he did, you'd worship the system and not him. Amen. That's where you would bow down. And so if you like your God like that, I think God just likes to mess with you. I, I absolutely believe that. I, I, I think that way. Look at Jesus. Jesus is talking to, to about the unpredictable nature that we need to embrace. Jesus said, the wind, that word right there, wind, is, is the uh, Greek word pneuma, which the translators use for the Holy Spirit. He said, the wind or the spirit blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely unpredictable in his nature. That's why Moses, Moses had a burning bush experience. You know, nobody else had a burning bush experience in the Bible? Nobody. And Moses didn't go around to everybody that said they heard God. He said, well, was the bush on fire? And they go, well, well no. And he said, well, then that wasn't God talking to you, right? Like, he didn't do that. Gideon didn't do that. Gideon, one, defeated his enemies, the, the enemies of Israel, with 300 soldiers. And Gideon didn't look at everybody throughout history and say, well, did, did you, how did you win? And they said, well, the Lord gave us victory. Did you do it with 300 people and jars and trumpets and a torch? Well, no. Well, then that wasn't God. Well, Gideon didn't do that. God chose to move in different ways. In fact, I, I, I think it's interesting the way Jesus messed with somebody. There was, Jesus healed a blind guy once. He put his hands on him, right? Touched his eyes and the blind guy saw well, the, the story of Jesus kind of perpetuates, and people know who he is. And so there's, there's, in another town, there's another blind guy. And so his buddy grabs him and comes up to Jesus and says, hey, do the hand thing. <laughs> I like Jesus more and more every time I study him. I hope you do too. Because you know what Jesus did? He said, I ain't touching him. You know what he did? He spit in the ground. He made a little bit of mud. And then he put it on the blind guy's eyes and told him to go wash it off. Now, can you imagine being the friend? I am so sorry, man. I had no idea he was going to do this. <laughs> we always imagine the friend who brought Jesus to do the touch thing. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to do it that way. Can you imagine being the blind guy? I mean, you can't see what's happening, but he for sure heard it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, everybody. Don't get all religious on me now. It says the man spit in the ground. That's what happened. <laughs> Something about the nature of the Holy Spirit in God, it's a, big, it's a big word. He's sovereign. It means he does whatever he wants. He goes wherever he wants to go. He's not going to do it the same way. He's not going to move in your life the same way he's moved in somebody else's life. That's not who God is. The wind is unpredictable, and so is the Holy Spirit. 
The next thing is the wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. Wind generates electricity. Wind, wind pushes boats across the ocean. And wind can destroy cities. I mean, how many hurricanes have we seen here in the United States alone in the last 10 years? How many cities have been decimated because of high-level winds? Like the wind, the Holy Spirit is also powerful. And he has power that is available for your lives. Listen to me. There are things in your life right now that you have been struggling with that are literally draining the life from you. They're things that you can't fix. And you're not ever, ever gonna be able to fix them on your own. You need a power that is beyond you in your life. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. I think it's a shame that we distance ourselves from, from the person of the Holy Spirit because of somebody, somebody told us, well, you don't wanna mess with that Holy Spirit stuff. That Holy Spirit, he was only available to the early church, and he doesn't do anything on this earth anymore, you know. He was just here to get the whole thing started. Or he, he, if, if you do that, if you say yes, to, if, you say, if you begin a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be weird and do things strange, and people have just packaged him in a way that have just turned us off, and I think it's a shame. I'm telling you, you need him in your life. Here's why. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you'll receive power. Everybody say Power. Power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You need that power in your life. I need that power in my life. Charles Finney, who is the, the father of modern revivalism in America, he was a 19th century attorney, but he was also a Presbyterian minister. Talking about his life said it was just very, very predictable. He knew what to expect every single day. And he said that, that life was very difficult to live that way because he knew what to expect. And then he has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said about that encounter. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. I like that. So for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Listen to me. Some of you here today are at a point in your life where you need the power of God in your life. You, you absolutely need it. You're dealing with things that are beyond yourself. And the Holy Spirit, like the wind, is powerful. Also like the wind, wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. On a hot summer day, you go out to your car that's just been sitting out there and the air inside of it has just been baked, being baked by the sun. You throw open the doors and sit down and that very first breath is like, it's almost suffocating, isn't it? It's so hot. So what do you do? If you turn on the AC, you're going to have to wait a few minutes for it to cool off. You crank down your windows, and the wind blows into your car. And as it does, you are refreshed. It feels good. And the Holy Spirit is that way. He wants to be refreshing, a, a refreshing wind in your life. Check out what 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared. And what God has prepared for you is the Holy Spirit for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Listen, there's so much more that is available to you, for, available to you today through the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm asking you to join me on this four-week journey to be here the next few weeks so that you can fully understand it, because each week I'm going to unpack a little more and a little more and a little more. Because there are people here today, you need some wind back in your sails. 
you need to be refreshed and you need the Holy Spirit. If you've lived a life where you just rejected who he is, today can be the place where all that changes, no matter what the reason was behind that. Whether because it's something strange you experienced or because somebody told you to stay away from him, you can make a choice today to lay down those misperceptions. You can make a choice today to, 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 to lay that aside. Because here's the deal. God is a triune God. We have this word Trinity. It appears nowhere in the Bible. It's a word that we use to describe God. But God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each and every single one of them have a role. Rejecting the third part of who God is, is you making sure that you don't have all that God has for you. And what God has for you in totality is better, is better. In fact, the Bible tells us this. Ephesians 4, it says, do not grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Or for some of you, because it isn't currently, it can be the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. So don't take such a gift for granted. So how do you do that? How, how do you not take this gift for granted? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's the rest of my message notes. Here we go. There are actually three ways that you can, you can do that. I'm only going to give you two because that's all I've got time for today. The first one is go all in. Go all in. Not just on this topic, but on every single topic that we talk about here on Sunday mornings. It's all Bible-based, and it's all what God wants for you. I'm not going to tell you something for my own personal gain. And the day that I do that, I hope you'll call me out on it. Amen, everybody? I'm giving you permission to do that. I, 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 there's, there's, there's nothing I want for you that God doesn't want more for you. I promise you that. Go all in. And, and, and you excuse me if I just be a pastor for a little moment. If I just pastor you, that means more a shepherd, like a shepherd will, will pull his sheep in and, and keep them from going astray. But can I just be a pastor for a second and say, going all in does not look like you coming to church once a month. Going all in does not look like you being a salad bar Christian. Where you go through, you go down the line and say, well, that's nice, but I don't, I don't like any of that. That's that's not what I want. That's not you picking and choosing like you get to on a salad bar what you're going to do. Going all in means that you're going to be all in for what God has for you. Going all in means that when we say, hey, growth track is where you can discover God's plan and purpose for your life and it's good for you, you go, I'm going to take that. Going all in means that when we say, hey, grow groups are where it's at, man. It's where you're going to get into relationship with people and God's going to change your life. You say, I'm going to go all in for that. When we say, hey, dream team, get on a team and serve in people is where you will find the greatest fulfillment in your life. You go, I'm going to go in for that. It's going all in. It's doing all that God has for you. Because honestly, you're not going to get all God has for you being a part-time believer, being somebody that is only in this part-time. In fact, you need to develop an attitude of, I'm in. Whatever they tell me I need to be doing, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever God, God says, hey, this is best for you, that's what I'm going to do. It may mean that some things in your life may need to shift. It may mean that some things in your life that you've currently enjoyed, you may have to set down so that you can have that which is better for you. But understand that on the other side of that sacrifice is better. It may be scary because you've never done it before, but it doesn't mean that what's on the other side isn't better. 
So go all in. Pray a prayer today that'll change your very life and say, God, if you've got it, I want it. I'm all in. Go all in. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In other words, if you want all God has for you, there's a condition to it. You've got to seek him with all your heart. Don't be, don't be salad bar Christians, picking and choosing what you want. Go all in. Men? Second thing is, develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I know that that's not something that's going to happen in a moment. I know that friendship happens over time. But I'm going to challenge you. Be here this next few weeks, and you'll begin to understand how you can engage in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because this is his role in your life, is to be your friend, is to be, be a partner with you, to never leave you. You understand that the Father has a role in your life, that Jesus has a role in your life, and that the Holy Spirit has a role in your life as well. We see all three of their roles in, in, in Paul's letter, his last letter to the Corinthian church. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. You see all three of their roles. It says, as he closes, this is like a benediction, right? It's a closing prayer. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, the grace of Jesus Christ, you know what grace is? It's when you get something you didn't deserve. And the grace of Jesus Christ is that he died for your sins and mine. The grace of, of Jesus is, is that he paid a price for you that you could not pay yourself so that you could be forgiven and have eternity in heaven. That's his grace. And it says, and the love of God. God loves you like a loving father. And the communion of the Holy Spirit, that is a word that just means fellowship. In fact, take a look at this because I want you to experience all three of these. Take a look at this in the message paraphrase. It says this, the, the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. See, my fear is, is that you'll know the love of the Father and you'll experience the grace of Jesus, but that you'll refuse a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I fear that you'll miss out on the fullness of what God wants for you in your life. I want you to have all that God has for you, in fact, check this out. Check out their roles. The role of God the Father is to love me. <coughs> Some of you are here today and you need to settle this in your life. You need to decide this. God loves you. He's not mad at you. We've been told that we're sinners in the hands of an angry God and that is the furthest thing from the truth. God loves you today. Some of you have difficulty receiving that the love of the Father because of the relationship between you and your Father. And you need to understand something. The enemy didn't work out that brokenness between you and your dad to ruin your relationship with your dad. He did that so that you would struggle to have a relationship with your heavenly Father. And so there are some of you here today, you need to have that area of your life healed. My prayer is that God touches that place right now so that you can settle this once and for all, that God loves you. He's not mad at you. In fact, I think every single, each and every single one of us is his favorite kid. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He just smiling and touching him. It's so cute. Y'all know what I'm saying. He loves you. He's not mad at you. 
He's thinking about you all the time. Even when you mess up. Even when you mess up, he's not mad at you. He might be disappointed. He might know that you're going to walk through something difficult. But he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. God is love. And he loves you and you need to settle that today. Second thing is, is, is that the Son, God the Son, saves me. God the Son saves me. And can I just say this? I kind of got a little ahead of myself. If you were to ask the question, Aaron, how do I know that God loves me? How do I know he values me? Well, you can tell how much somebody values something by how much they're willing to pay for it. See, the price that God paid for you because he loves you so much was he gave his only son. That's the price he paid. Now, I love you lots. I pray for you all the time. But I wouldn't give up one of my kids for you. But God loves you in a way that is extravagant and extreme. So let that be settled in your heart. He paid the price for you with his son. He loves you. And God the Son saves you. It's that grace of Jesus. It's that undeserved grace. It's what it is. He paid a bill for us that we could not pay. That's why we sing praises to him. We sing songs about him on Sunday mornings. We let him know how thankful we are. Because without that grace, we could not experience a relationship with our Father. And unfortunately, these two roles, a lot of you understand these roles, but this is where it stops for many of you. You don't have all God has for you. So here's this third role. God, the Holy Spirit, is with me. He doesn't want to freak you out. He just wants to be with you. And so I'm asking you again. This will be the third time I've asked you. Be with me for the next three weeks. Let me continue to introduce to you who the Holy Spirit is and help you understand why he's so important in your life. Because each and every single one of you need this. Each and every single one of you, as a Christ follower, needs the Holy Spirit in your life. You need power in your life. Because you're saved, you're going to heaven, but for many of you, you're walking around and your life is just in ruins. Your marriage is in ruins, relationships, your finances, they're in ruins. And you need a power that is beyond you. And he is that power that will bring those things that are dead in your life back to life. So I'm just gonna ask you to open your heart to the person of the Holy Spirit as we pray right now. I wonder if, if where you're there, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if you would, if you would just simply pray this prayer. You, know, you can pray it to yourself. You don't have to pray it out loud. But it's a prayer where you decide, God, I want all that you have for me. I open my heart to the Holy Spirit today that you ask God to take you on this journey, a journey of going all in and to help you develop a friendship with the Holy Spirit over the next few weeks. Lord, that's the greatest thing I could ask for the people here today and those that are listening and watching online right now. I know beyond all, beyond, beyond so much, God, this is what you want for them because the Holy, of, of who all the Holy Spirit is and the ways that he will help them and empower them. I know you desire this for their lives. A life that is victorious. And so God, I pray that every heart would just receive that now. Now I know there are those of you in this room that, that beginning a relationship with the Holy Spirit actually follows receiving the grace of Jesus. And having the relationship with your heavenly Father restored. 
And that's the beginning of the journey. We call that becoming a Christ follower, saying yes to Jesus. And that's this moment now. If you've never done that before, or maybe you have years ago and you've walked away from your commitment to follow Jesus, this is the moment you can re-up. You can say yes for the first time or say yes again. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment. And if you wanna be included on that prayer, um, I will not have you stand up or come to the front. I'm simply gonna ask that you would lift your hand and say, Aaron, that's me. And so if you're here today, be bold. Nobody's looking around. And actually in a moment, if you say yes to Jesus right now, we're gonna celebrate with you because the rest of us are here. We're all here just for you today. This whole service has been designed just for you today. So if that's you and you're gonna say yes to Jesus today, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me right now, Aaron. That's me. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. See those hands. You can put them down. Thank you. If you raised your hand and, and you're ready to, to make that commitment, just pray this prayer to yourself. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Today I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Make me brand new and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now the Bible